morning, everybody. Welcome to the Friday Daily Devotions. Can you believe July is over? And uh, we're doing the last devotional for July. It's amazing. So um, I want to speak today about the righteousness that is of faith. And righteousness of faith uh, is something that's a foundational doctrine. That's what makes us a Christian. <laughs> so uh, I want to start in Romans chapter 5. And uh, this is such good news. Uh, we need to actually hear it regularly. Good morning, Janine. It's good to see your name there. Uh, so good morning, everybody. So um, I think I want to just jump to Romans 4 before I go to Romans chapter 5. A little nay. And uh, good morning, Ishmael. Hello. It's good to see you there. All right. So it says, Romans chapter 4, verse 4. Now to a laborer his wages are not counted as a favor or a gift, but as an obligation. But to one who, not working by the law, trusts, believes fully in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. So the ungodly is justified by faith, and that makes the ungodly righteous. All right? Thus David congratulates, uh, congratulates the man and pronounces a blessing on him who, to whom God credits righteousness apart from the works he does. Blessed, Happy and to be envied are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered up and completely buried. Blessed, happy, to be envied is the person of whose sin the Lord will take no account nor reckon it against him. Okay, so it's a blessing pronounced on those who believe this. And we are blessed when we understand our, our sins are forgiven. So you can't say... Oh, I'm the righteousness of God. And go around saying, oh, I'm so righteous, I'm so righteous. But you feel guilty all the time. <laughs> the righteousness means this. You're blessed because your sins are completely for forgiven. Your sins are covered up, completely buried. Okay, blessed, happy to be envied is the person of whose sin the Lord will take no account nor reckon it against it. So there's no account of it. He says it in Jeremiah 31 and also Hebrews 8 to Hebrews 10. He says the same thing. He says, uh, their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Okay. So that means there's no record of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 also says, love takes no account of evil done to it. And God is love. So God takes no account of evil done to him. So that's in the Amplified Translation if you're wondering. Okay. So... Uh, Firstly, the, the idea that people have that all your sins are written up in a book and one day when you die, you're going to go to some gate and there's going to be the angel Gabriel and there's going to be St. Peter with a book. And he's going to see, okay, what have you done in your life? and Can you enter heaven or not? There's no scripture for that. That's, there's nowhere to be found. 
neither Gabriel nor Peter is the judge. Jesus is the judge, but Jesus is also the sacrifice, and Jesus is your advocate. So your advocate gave himself as a sacrifice for your sin, justifying you, and he's the judge acquitting you. So who's going to get past that? So if Jesus says that those of, who believe are forgiven and their sins are completely buried, how do you want to go, how, how do you want to get past that? Okay, so there's no, there's no way that someone who believes, who've received the gospel and believes in Jesus, will be uh, judged and condemned. There's no way, okay? So you can let that fear go. It's nowhere in the scripture, okay? Uh, the scripture says we will all have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The scripture says we will have to give account of the works. But John chapter 6, Jesus again said, this is the work that God asks of you, that you believe in the one whom God has sent. So the only work that God wants of you is to believe in him, to believe in the Son. So if you, if you look to... Um, First John chapter 3, um, the, the last few verses of First John chapter 3, he says, this is uh, what God, the commandment that we have of him, that we love one another and that we believe in his son. And that's it, okay? If we believe in him, we are counted righteous. So because of faith in him, because we believe and are counted righteous, we believe in the one who justifies the ungodly. That faith is counted for righteousness. So the question is not what you did. The question is, do you believe? Simple as that. Okay. So is this blessing then meant only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We say faith that... Uh, that faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it credited? Was it before or after it circumcised? It was not after, but before. So he's the father of the circumcised and the uncircumcised. The promise, which, is this, which this is based on, it came before the covenant, which means Abraham believed before all of that, which means he's the father of faith of the circumcised and the uncircumcised. So whoever, whether you are a Jew or a Greek, whether you are a slave or free, Male or female, doesn't matter who you are, if you believe you're justified and made righteous and you're acquitted before God. Okay. Okay. So, let's jump then to Romans 5 as 1. Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and enjoy peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him also we have access and entrance, introduction by faith into this grace in which we firmly and safely stand. Okay, so we have access by faith into grace because we are justified by faith. Because we believe in Jesus. Okay, here comes the mercy. You don't get what you deserve. Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven and completely buried. Blessed is the man of whom God takes no account nor reckon it against him. Okay, so your sins are gone. God doesn't see it. He's, he doesn't remember it anymore. He washed it away. 
mercy. So now, since we have been justified by faith and declared righteous, the mercy, we have access by faith into grace. So what's the grace? Everything that God has, that's the inheritance, the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything that is in Christ Jesus, uh, everything in the Spirit of God, everything that He is, everything that He has, His holiness, His goodness, His power, His righteousness, everything is now yours. So you have access also by faith into grace. So we are declared righteous and then we step into power. So it's good when people make a decision for Jesus and evangelists go and you know, go out throughout all the world and get the harvest in. And man, people make decisions for Jesus and we fill in decision cards and we pray with them and we follow them up and all that, you know, like what Reinhard Bonnke did all over Africa and other, other nations as well, other continents as well. So that is wonderful. That is awesome. And please, more of that. <laughs> but we can't leave people there. We need to get those who believe, those who have now been made righteous, to enter into the grace and start walking in the power of God. We need people to, to uh, walk into the inheritance so that we, we will see Christ in them moving throughout the earth. Okay, so righteousness uh, is a free gift. It comes to us and we receive it by faith. But now righteousness bears fruit when we receive correction, says Hebrews chapter 12. So the fruit of righteousness is there when the word comes and renews our mind. When the word comes and we are transformed into the very likeness. When our thoughts are aligned with the thoughts of Christ, with the word of God, then the fruit of righteousness comes. So there's righteousness, you are righteous, you are now as righteous as you will ever be, but when we receive the correction of the word, the fruit of righteousness, peaceable fruit of righteousness, says Hebrews chapter 12. So, so it's good to bear fruit, all right? So we want to see more fruit of righteousness. Yes, it's awesome when someone has, has received Jesus, if they die, they go to heaven, wonderful. But hey, there's so much more. There's so much more of our inheritance. And all of that is grace. And all of that is without merit. It's without looking at what you have done. All of that is what Jesus has done for you. So the same message that brought you salvation will take you to perfection. The same cross that washed away your sins will impart God-like nature into you. Okay? So we need to stick to the cross. We need to stick to the message. Uh, we need the knowledge of Christ we need to be partakers of the divine nature. So that partaking of the divine nature is the fruit of righteousness. Okay, so Romans chapter 5. Let's just fast forward a little bit because I see almost half of our time is gone already. So he says, uh, Romans 5 verse 5. I just want you to see the love. I want you to see how great this grace is. That he gives us. He says, Romans 5 verse 5, Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us. For God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. So we have the love of Christ, the divine nature, the love in us because of the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. Okay. While we were yet in weakness, 
powerless to help ourselves. So by the law, with your own power, powerless to help yourself. At the fitting time, Christ died for the ungodly. So he died for the ungodly. So we need to put our faith, our trust in the God who justifies the ungodly. That faith is credited to you as righteousness. Okay. While we were yet in weakness, powerless to help ourselves, at the fitting time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now it's an extraordinary thing for one to give his life even for an upright man, though perhaps for a noble and lovable and generous benefactor, someone might even dare to die. But God shows and clearly proves his own love for us, that by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, so it's one thing to, to, to die for someone, you give your life for someone, like people get you know, caught up in all this political propaganda, and someone might even lay down his life for his awesome, wonderful, supreme leader. You know, you get these strange ideas. <laughs> so, so it's this leader, and you, you always see the pictures of them from, from beneath, and then they look so big, you know, those, those propaganda pictures. Okay, someone might even dare to die for them. <laughs> But now imagine that leader dies for this nameless person, just one of the masses. Imagine that leader, that's not so great, lays down his life for this one. So it's turned around. Jesus, the greatest one of all time, the Son of God, the leader of all, the King of Kings, laid down his life for the least of us. Okay, So no one can be so bad that you can't make it. Okay, but no one can be so good that you can earn it. Okay, so he says, he clearly proves his own love for us that by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, the ungodly. Okay, therefore, since we are now justified, acquitted, made righteous, and brought into right relationship with God by Christ's blood, how much more certain is it that we shall be saved by him from the indignation and wrath of God. So what, how is the indignation and wrath of God revealed? Well, it's revealed through the law. The law, it says, if we just turn back, it says, uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 15, for the law results in divine wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression of it either. So Jesus uh, came, he fulfilled the law, he took all the wrath of it. So now he says, uh, if we, while we were enemies, we were reconciled, much more certain now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved, daily delivered from sin's dominion through the resurrection. Oh, that's the next verse, sorry. <laughs> we shall be saved by him from the indignation and wrath of God. Okay, so the wrath is revealed. So there's Jesus hanging on the cross, and there's the one sinner on the one side and the other sinner on the other side. And the one mocks Jesus and he says, hey, if you're this great king, if you're the son of God, Come down from the cross. If you're this great king, why don't you save yourself and save us? And the other one says, hey, don't you know who you're talking to? We are here because, you know, we deserve it. We, we get the just punishment for our actions. But he didn't do anything wrong. He's innocent. So then he just says, Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. Right? He just trusted. He knew he was ungodly. He knew he was hanging on that cross for his actions, and it was just, and it was right that he was hanging there on the cross. So he just said, Jesus, just remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Okay? So 
two people. The one justifies, the other one not. They're both equally ungodly. So what's the difference? This one is saved from the wrath expressed by the law. That one wasn't. Why? This one trusted in Jesus. Okay? So the, the wrath is revealed. So Deuteronomy 29 verse 29, the things that are secret belongs to our God, but the things that are revealed belongs to us and our children forever. <laughs> so if something is revealed, it's revealed. So the, the salvation is revealed, it belongs to us and our children. But now the wrath, the wrath is revealed towards unrighteousness. Okay? And it ever comes upon, says Ephesians, the children of disobedience. So that wrath is revealed. So now he says, if while we were enemies, so the wrath was revealed first. If while we were enemies, uh, we were reconciled through the death of his son, it's much more certain now that we are reconciled that we shall be saved and daily delivered from sins, dominion through his resurrection life. So God's reconciliation is free for all. He says, listen, just believe in me and you and you receive it. So the law's wrath had to be revealed to come upon Jesus. But now when we trust in Jesus, we are saved from wrath. We are saved from judgment. We are saved from indignation. Daily delivered from sin's dominion. We are saved from the sin question altogether. So the only thing is, only believe. When we believe in Him, no more wrath. When we believe in Him, no more judgment. Those who believe in Him, says John chapter 3, verse 18, will never be condemned. Those who believe not are condemned already. Why? Because the wrath was already revealed at the, at the cross. But that's not the message. The message is when we believe, we are justified. When we believe in Him, we are counted righteous. We trust in Him who justifies the ungodly. That faith is counted as righteousness. Okay. All right. Uh, not only so, but we also rejoice in exalting and glory in God in His love and perfection through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received and enjoy our reconciliation. So you've been reconciled. You've been reconciled. From God's side, you're reconciled. So God wants now to save you from this thing called the wrath of the law. Okay? He did it by sending His Son. Now that His Son died on the cross for us, He just says, just believe, come. You have reconciliation. I want you to be with me. So just receive your reconciliation. Jesus brought the reconciliation. Please just receive the reconciliation. From God's side, He offers reconciliation. So we need to receive the reconciliation. Okay. So... Right, Romans 5 verse 15 says, God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. So no matter how much you messed up, His free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. His grace is out of all proportion to the fall of man. So if you sinned one million, His grace is... A hundred trillion. <laughs> if, your grace, if your sin is man, your sin is like the worst ever. His grace is so much more. Um, it's like your sin is a drop of blood and his grace is the ocean. Okay, to that proportion. You can never outsin his grace. So he says his grace is out of proportion to the fall of man. But now James says, faith without works is dead. So when we believe it, we are justified. And then the fruit comes. So then the fruit of righteousness comes. Now we, we have been made righteous already. But now the fruit of it, the, the 
proof that we have been made righteous comes as we receive the correction of the word and keep on listening. Okay, now he says, For if many died through one man's falling away, that's now Adam, his lapse, his offense, much more profusely that God's grace and the free gift that comes through the undeserved favor of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound and overflow to and for the benefit of many. Okay, so the free gift, undeserved favor, it abounds and it overflows. The grace abounds, the grace overflows. It's always more. Nor is the free gift at all to be compared to the effect of the one man's sin. For the sentence following the trespass of one man brought condemnation, whereas the free gift following many transgressions brings justification. God's free gift justifies you. It doesn't matter what you did. Yes, but you know, God forgives you for your sin, but you still need to pay for the consequences. No, this scripture says, you know, it's not at all to be compared to the effect of one man's sin. So, the effect of sin. What's the effect of sin? Someone messed up and now they're in jail. Well, if, if you get transformed by the Spirit and the power of God, God can get you out of jail. Do you get what I'm saying? His grace can even get you out of it. Whatever the situation is. Oh, something... Uh, let me put it like this. He said, go heal the sick and raise the dead. So even if someone died, they can be raised. If we really get this, if we really understand the power that is in this, it's not at all to be compared to the effect. Okay? So uh, he, will, he will pursue us and he will get us out of a mess doesn't matter what the mess is. That shouldn't embolden you to go for the mess. That should embolden you to trust him from wherever you are. You are never excluded. Wherever you are, you can turn and receive. Whatever you, you, you messed up, you can now turn to him and receive the grace. And start walking in the free gift. Okay, so he says, now verse 17. This is like, to me, like one of the most important verses in the Bible. For if because of one man's trespass... Death reigned through that one. Much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Do you want to reign as a king? Do you want your word to just, you know, if you say something, angels go and do it. If you say be healed, someone is healed. If you say... Let the money come, the money comes. If you pray, something happens. Do you want to reign? Well, firstly, we, we reign by humbling ourselves before the king and, and standing in relationship with him, you know, and walking by faith with him. Okay, but you receive the grace. If you receive the abounding, abounding, abounding overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness, you will reign as a king in life. That gives you authority. That gives you power. The kingdom is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's Romans 14. Okay. So the more we surrender to his grace, the power, the help of the Holy Spirit, God's work within, what we received, what we can receive daily, the effect of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. Okay. The more we yield to it, the more that power reigns through us and changes circumstances around us. 
Okay. So that's a bit different than the message that says, you know, God sits there in heaven with his remote control and everything that happens is him. You know? No, it's not everything that happens is him. The thief comes only for to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come, says Jesus, that they may have life and have it more abundantly. John 10 verse 10. So Jesus brings life in abundance. So we reign as kings in life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What's the thief? All those who came before me. John 10 verse 8. Who are those? Verse 7, 8. He says, he says, I am the door. All those who came before me are thieves and robbers. So everyone that came before him saying this is the way, is a thief and a robber. So Adam, thief and a robber, knowledge of good and evil. Sadducees, Pharisees, scribes, the preaching of the law, a thief and a robber. It will steal your life. The preaching of the law can never bring you life. It can never bring you righteousness. Okay? So, but when we receive the abundance of grace... And the free gift of righteousness. Righteousness not to be earned, but to be received by faith. Trusting in the God who justifies the ungodly, apart from the works he does. You will reign as a king in life. Okay. Then as one man's trespass, falling away, led to condemnation for all men. So one man's act of righteousness... Uh, leads to acquittal and right standing with God and life for all men. For just as by one man's disobedience, the many were constituted sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be constituted righteous. Okay? So because of Jesus' obedience going through the wrath of the law, we don't have to. We can be saved from the wrath of the law. Why? How? By believing in Jesus. So since you believed in Jesus... Saved. Okay. We are made acceptable to God, brought into right standing with Him, made righteous as He is righteous. So you can just say it with me. I am righteous as Jesus is righteous. I am holy as Jesus is holy. He said, be holy for I am holy. So He's inside of us. The only thing that makes us holy is Him. So be holy because I am holy. Be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. So... He's in the Father. The Father is in Him. He is in us. We are in Him. So because they are in us, the Holy Spirit is inside of us. Well, that's why we are holy. Okay? So He gives us His own righteousness. He gives us His own Spirit. Now we can look forward to access everything that is in there and start walking in it. There's power. There's great grace for everything we need to do. Okay? Right, now he says, Then law came in only to expand and increase the trespass. So guess what? If you're going to preach law, the, increase is, the, the trespass is going to increase. <laughs> law is petrol on the fire. If you preach law to sinners, they're going to sin more. Okay? Making it more apparent and exciting opposition. But where sin increased and abounded, grace has surpassed it and increased the more and super abounded so that just as sin has reigned in death so grace might reign through righteousness imagine do you remember what it's like when sin reigns in death okay imagine now grace reigning through your life through righteousness and it issues in eternal life so god's righteousness reigns inside of your life through grace 
So because it's his unmerited favor, his righteousness is a free gift, now that righteousness rules in us and it subdues everything in our lives. It subdues the sinful temptation. It subdues the sickness. It subdues the poverty. It subdues everything. A word of righteousness now dwells on the inside of you. And now when you speak that word of righteousness, things happen. Power is released. Okay? So, time is up, but I'm quickly going to jump to Romans chapter 10. You can find homework, read Deuteronomy chapter 30 with it. So he says, Romans chapter 10, he says, Brethren, with all my heart's desire and goodwill for Israel, I long and pray to God that they may be saved. I agree with this prayer. I pray that Israel may be saved. They are not saved. They must be saved. And they will be saved by faith in the blood of Jesus, like everyone else. Okay, verse 2. I bear them witness that they have a certain zeal and enthusiasm for God, but it is not enlightened and according to correct and vital knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness that God ascribes, which makes one acceptable to Him in word, thought, and deed, and seeking to establish a righteousness, a means of salvation of their own, they did not obey or submit themselves to God's righteousness. So trying to establish your own righteousness by the law is basically not submitting to God. It's, it's pride. It's basically uh, rebellion against God. Verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law. The limit at which it ceases to be. So the moment you receive Christ, that very second, the law stops having an influence in your life. That second, the condemnation stops. That judgment stops. All of it, all the wrath stops, saved from it. Okay? So it says, Christ is the end of the law, the limit at which it ceases to be. For the law leads up to him who is the fulfillment of its types. And in him, the purpose which it was designed to accomplish is fulfilled. The purpose of the law is to judge sin, and the sin was judged in the body of Jesus. That is, the purpose of the law is fulfilled in him as a means of righteousness. Right relationship to God. For everyone who trusts in, adheres to, relies on Him. For Moses writes that the man who can practice the righteousness which is based on the law with all its intricate demands shall live by it. So everyone who uh, can practice the righteousness of the law shall live by that righteousness and not by faith. You can, oh, I wanted to go to Galatians chapter 3, but we're not going to get to that. Okay, so, that's, so the law is not of faith. It's got nothing to do with faith. But faith is revealed in the new. Okay? Faith is not law. Faith is New Testament, righteousness by faith. So people saying you don't need faith to be saved are so deceived. Okay, so verse 6. But the righteousness based on faith, imputed by God and bringing right relationship with Him, says, Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. So now there's a righteousness. He says, don't say. If you want to say something legalistic, shh, don't say it. It says, the righteousness of faith says, don't say. Who shall ascend to heaven? With other words, who will go and get it for us there? 
Deuteronomy 30 says, who will go overseas for us and get it for us there? Okay. Then who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead, as if we could be saved by our own efforts. So don't ask who's going to do it for us. Who's going to do the law for us? Who's going to fulfill this demand for us? Don't say that. Verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and in your heart believe that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with a heart a person believes, he has trust and relies on Christ, and so is justified. And with a mouth he confesses, declares openly, and speaks out freely his faith and confirms his salvation. Okay, so when the heart and the mouth start speaking together, the fruit comes. The fruit of righteousness comes by believing it with the heart and then speaking it with the mouth. Peaceable fruit of righteousness. The mind is transformed by the correction of the word, and it bears peaceable fruit of righteousness out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Matthew 12, make the tree good or make the tree evil. It says, because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So every good tree bears good fruit. Every evil tree bears evil fruit. So if we believe the righteousness, don't say. Don't bear evil fruit. Don't bring conditions of legalism. Okay? The good tree says, brings good fruit. What does it say? Your sins are forgiven on the grounds of, blood, and of the blood of Jesus. You are saved from the wrath of the Lord. There's no judgment, no condemnation for them that believe. All right. The scripture says, No man who believes in him, who trusts in relies on him, will ever be put to shame or be disappointed. No one, for there is no distinction, Jew or Greek, okay, slave or free, says the same Lord is Lord over all of us, and he generously bestows his riches upon all who call upon him in faith. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay. So this is such a, I mean, we can go on and on. There's so many scriptures still that we can... We can continue on Monday with this. He says, I just want to connect it with Isaiah 53, and then, then we're done. He says, verse 16, they have not all heeded the gospel. So not everyone who heard this righteousness of faith received the righteousness by believing it. They have not all heeded the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed, had faith in what he has heard from us. King James, they have not all obeyed. The gospel. So that's Romans 10 verse 3, seeking to establish the righteousness of their own. They have not all, uh, they did not yield to his righteousness, submit to his righteousness. They sought to, to uh, establish a righteousness of them, their own, ignorant of the righteousness which God has Christ. Okay, so he says, they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Okay, so that's Isaiah 53. Lord, who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And then later it describes, you see, he was wounded for our transgression. He was stricken of God and we esteemed him not. You know, he carried, he was a man acquainted with griefs and sufferings and, and, and sickness and pain. He says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. 
he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed and made whole. Okay? So when we look at the cross and we see our sin upon him, we trust in him who justifies the ungodly. That faith, that faith in the cross, that faith in Jesus, the crucified Christ, is counted to him for righteousness. That's why Paul also says in Galatians 3, you stupid, senseless, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Why do you want to go back to the law? He says, let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by doing the law, or was it by hearing a message of faith? Okay. Then he says, uh, he who works miraculously among you, is it because of uh, the, doing the works of the law or the message? Okay. But he says, unto whom Christ was graphically set forth, portrayed as crucified. So he's preaching, portrayed Christ as crucified. Isaiah 53. Okay? The picture of the crucified Christ. 1 Corinthians 2. I want to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The picture of Isaiah 53, the crucified Christ. That, faith in that, brings the righteousness of God to you. Okay. Who has believed our report? So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word. What word? The word of the crucified Christ. The word of Jesus hanging on the cross. It all happened at the cross. The, the resurrection uh, secured our justification, says the last verse of Romans chapter, chapter 4. Okay, so the resurrection secured the justification, but the justification all happened by the sacrifice that was on that cross. Okay, so who has believed our report? Okay, uh, I want to just jump to uh, second... Corinthians 5, uh, I'm going to take a little bit of time. It's not that much longer, but just, I just want to read 2 Corinthians 5, a few verses. We are speaking about righteousness. I can't, I can't not read this. So I want to start here in verse 14. Okay, and that also connects with Galatians 2 verse 20 for those who have an ear to hear. It says, for the law... The, uh, the love of Christ controls, urges, and impels us. Because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all died. So he died for all. Jesus on the cross. So we all died. And he died for all, so that all those who live might live lo no longer to and for themselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. So, you see, the death goes with the resurrection. The resurrection, if the, if the resurrection didn't take place, it's like the death never happened. So, if the, the resurrection kind of upholds the thing, 1 Corinthians 15, no? Yeah, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4 also says it. Uh, if, you know, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then we are most pitiable of all, okay? So, he says, and he died for all, so that all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. Consequently, from now on, from now on, having been raised with Christ, having died with Christ, having been raised with Christ, from now on, 
we estimate and regard no one from a human point of view or after the flesh, says the King James, in terms of natural standards of value. No, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint and as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. That doesn't mean we throw away everything that he did in the days of his flesh in Galilee, all the miracles. No, we know him no longer uh, son of David, son of Abraham, but we know, now know him as the Lord of glory, son of the Most High God, Jesus Christ, the son of the Most High God. Okay? So he says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, that picture of the vine and the branches engrafted, bearing fruit, okay? He is a new creation. So the new creation begins in your life when you are engrafted. Not before, but when you are engrafted. So if you read it, otherwise you're a dried branch ready for the fire. But Zechariah chapter 3 says, brand plucked out of the fire. Speaking of Aaron the high priest. Okay, so he's rebuking Satan. He says, God rebuke you, Satan. He's not this Aaron. You accuse him now, but is he not a brand plucked out of the fire? So the, the brand that's dead, that's ready to be burned, can be grafted in, out of the wrath, saved from the wrath, grafted back into the vine, and here comes the life stream. And that which was already smoldering in the fire, plucked out of the fire, starts bearing fruit and new leaves, and the anointing comes and brings life. Okay? So he says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, he is a new creation. The new creation man who is the Lord of heaven, First Corinthians 15. A new creature altogether. The old, that means Adam and the law and the prophets. If you read Second Corinthians, it's about the old and the new. Moses, Jesus. Moses, Jesus. Okay? So, the law and the prophets, the old, has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. The spirit has come. The righteousness of faith has come. And now he goes on. He says, all things are from God who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself. Uh, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself. And gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. That by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. So, we offer reconciliation through the preaching of the crucified Christ. He says, verse 19, It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with Himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. The trespasses was, was the wrath for that was put on Jesus. He says, God personally present in Christ, reconciling, restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them, and committing to us the message of reconciliation, the restoration of favor. There's a ministry of reconciliation. There's a message of reconciliation. That message is the blood of Jesus. The only reconciliation is through the blood of Christ. He says, verse 20, because outside of the, the blood of Christ is darkness. Because first John 1 says, dwell in the light and the blood cleanses you. So the light is the realm of the blood. 
So we need to dwell in the light to be reconciled with him. True unbroken fellowship, says First, first John chapter 1. Okay, so outside of him there's darkness. Outside of him the wrath exists, but inside of him there's no wrath. The wrath is only revealed there. Jesus went there to take it upon himself so that those who are there that believe in him can be brought here into the light. I hope it makes sense. Okay, so he says, we as Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal as it were through us, we as Christ's personal representatives beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. How are you reconciled to God? Just believe that he offers you reconciliation. Just take it. Thank you, Lord. I receive it. I am now reconciled through the blood of the cross. Okay? For our sake, he made Christ to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in examples of the righteousness of God, that we ought to be approved, acceptable, and in right relationship with him by his goodness. I'm just going to jump over to the King James. It says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So because we are in Jesus, we are in his righteousness. When we receive his word, his word abides in us and we abide in him. We abide in the word, we abide in the vine, he lives in us, he abides in us. And because he has entered our hearts, because he has come into us, his spirit is in us, his righteousness is in us. We are reconciled with God. He knew no sin. Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, became sin. He became a manifestation of sin so that all the wrath and judgment could be poured out on him and the fullness of the judgment and the wrath of the law could be expressed on him. Okay. Much to say. My mind is already going to Habakkuk 1 and Acts 13. <laughs> but just know this. The moment you believe in Jesus, no judgment, no wrath, God counts you righteous. You're given the righteousness of God as a free gift. You just receive it by faith. You're given the right standing with God. You just say, thank you, Lord. I believe I'm washed in your blood. Okay? So may you know without the shadow of a doubt, you who believe in Jesus, that your sins are forgiven, that God has reconciled you to himself, that God uh, says to you, your sins are not counted against you. There's no account of it. Your sins are completely buried and completely forgiven. That means God says, you are blessed. So your blessing is not in Deuteronomy 28 trying to obey the law. Your blessing is with the believing Abraham, Galatians chapter 3. You are blessed because you are righteous because you believe in him. All right, so I hope this has done something for you. Much else to say, can't cover it all. I didn't do it in 30 minutes, but in 50. <laughs> but there's much more to say. So uh, let me just greet a few people. It's good to see you there. Trish, bless you. And can you put, put the, your voice a bit louder? Oh, my goodness. Okay, we'll, we'll sort out this stuff. Um, okay. Hello, Peter. Lekker mee te sien. Ons met ewers ter mekaar gebel krijg. Okay, hello, Dinis. Good to see you there. Hello, Marieta en Pa Wessie. Ek hoop het gaan goed met die groot pakkaas af, Marlo toe. And hello, Chart. It's good to see you there. 
And uh, Marusa and Janine, bless you, and four others, whoever you are, bless you also. <laughs> um, uh, Petro, Gustin, Piri, bless you, Pet- Petro. It's good to see you, man. And um, uh, Janine there again, beautiful, bless you. Okay, Humbalani is awesome from Vendaland. Bless you, Humbalani. What an awesome man of God. Ilonka, bless you. It's good to see you there. So, uh, everyone, I just hope you have a blessed day and uh, may you just experience. Uh, grace and peace and during this weekend as well. So this Sunday, the church is open again. So if you're in the area, come. It's going to be awesome. And um, we're going to have communion. So uh, I really believe that it's going to be an awesome time. So we'll sanitize and do everything. And uh, we'll social distance and all that. But we're going to have communion in the service on Sunday. And if you're watching online, if you're too far to come, then Get your communion stuff ready because Sunday we're going to have communion. All right, so be blessed, everyone. Have an awesome weekend. We'll see you again Sunday morning, 9.30 for our live service. Oh, there's our email address. You know what to do with it. Send us testimonies or just say hi and tell us where you're watching from or just ask a question. Or I, I don't know if you have a scripture that blessed you.